Hello, my name's Alan Lane, and I'm here this morning to interview Ellie Harrison of The Grief Series. Uh, in July, we're running a conference, and we're really lucky to have Ellie and uh, collaborators from Mexico come and talk at the conference. Hello, Ellie. Welcome, and we're here Hi. to talk. Hello, we're here to talk about the grief series for the next forty-five minutes. Yes, we are, and introduce <laughs> it to people—people people yeah. who haven't experienced the delight and sorrow of it. <laughs> so, my first question, I suppose, is the unfair one around what is the grief series? Yeah, so the grief series uh, is a body of seven arts projects that open up spaces for people to talk about loss, bereavement grief and and lots of other things too. Uh, so I suppose it, it started because I made a show about grief and I thought, oh God, I've made a female autobiographical solo show about death. Like maybe no one's going to come and see it. But fortunately, <laughs> lots came. of people did. Yeah, good, yeah. good, good, good. <sighs> and uh, what started happening was people started coming up to me afterwards in the bar and saying, that really reminded me of when I lost my partner or yeah. uh, my parents or my child. And I became this kind of grief magnet. <laughs> and it got to the point where this was happening at every show. And I thought, actually, the conversations that are happening after the show are almost more interesting than the show itself. So I need to make more projects that create these kind of spaces and sort of thought maybe I could do a trilogy because a lot of cool artists were doing trilogies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the number felt sort of arbitrary. Yeah. Uh, so I looked at a few different grief models. Uh, there's a four stage one, a five stage one and a seven stage one. And of course, I yeah. like the seven stage one yeah. best. And I went, OK, yeah, that sounds brave and a bit stupid I should definitely do seven projects about grief and when did this start how, how long has this been going when was grief one 2010 wow yeah so it's going to be over a decade's work by the time it's finished my goodness that's, yeah that's such a that's such a massive amount of your creativity yeah it's so, a big old chunk isn't yeah. it yeah but I think it feels right that it's been a slow process because I used to watch films where grieving was represented and there'd be like 20 seconds of someone crying and yeah. they'd be like, you get the idea, skip to the end. Yeah. And that, that felt so different to my experience of grieving that I was like, well, no, it should be slow and it should be yeah. something that is there for such a long time that it becomes normal. Yeah. Can you, um, I'm just aware that the people coming to this are not necessarily have likely seen all of them. No, can no, you, God no. Can you, I'm not sure it, I've it, seen all it, of them. <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether I was there. Is it possible, kind of, uh, like they did for Avengers Assemble, can you talk us through Grief 1, Grief 2, Grief 3? Is that possible? Yes, yes, I will do. So, Let's do that. Uh, part one was a solo show called Etiquette of Grief, and that's kind of toured internationally a little bit and been kicking around for a while. Um, and that's quite a sarcastic, quite irreverent show. And that's what kicked it off. Um, and then part two was called The Reservation, which I made with a lovely Jay Kearney. And that was a one-to-one -one mm. performance for hotel rooms. Um, so each participant brings along a photograph of someone they've lost or someone they're afraid of losing. And then they have an hour to explore this room um, and have a chat with me and have a glass of port and eat some monkey nuts. Nice. Yeah, so it was kind of like a story swap, yes. really, or a conversation. So they were as much a part of it as you were? Yeah, absolutely. And I was dressed as uh, Ellie the elephant, so I was the elephant in the room and the elephant that never forgets and all the other <laughs> clunky grief metaphors that there are. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. That, yeah, that was part two. And then part three was a photography installation called What is Left that I made with uh, Roshana Ruba Mayhew and... We went to people's homes and took portraits of them with objects that they'd inherited from people they've lost. 
Um, so oh. we had people talking about, oh, this is the jam that my dad made before he died. Mm. Or uh, this is um, this is a seat that my grandma reupholstered. Or So people were talking about objects, but also talking about the relationship to the person they'd lost. Um, yeah. yeah. And we, we audio recorded that and then it became an installation in empty houses. So you would walk in and there'd be a chair opposite each portrait that reflected something of the environment of the person from the photograph. So you'd sort of sit eye to eye with this portrait and then you'd have headphones and you'd hear their voice telling you about uh, the person and the object. So, yeah, that was quite a meditative one. Yeah. Um, And we took over houses all over the country. Um, Yeah. Three. That was three. three. That was three. three. So grief four. Grief four. The unfair, a fun fair about anger. Yes. A house in a big 20 by 30 foot kind I of this. marquee. Yeah. So you could go and write an abusive letter to your ex and we'd bottle it up for you so right. you didn't have to. Or you could do angry karaoke with a punch bag in our let off steam booth. Yes. Um, yeah. So. Great. Uh, that was uh, grief four. Grief five, the crossing, an illustrator plan your own funeral kit, because who doesn't need one of those? Wait, yeah, we all do. <laughs> yeah. So, Eventually. Exactly. So um, that's like a little kind of illustrated box full of ideas to help you get started and help people have those conversations. Yeah. Um, so that's gone out to celebrants, funeral directors, care homes, um, families all over the country uh, to help people start wow. that. Yeah. And I suppose that that kind of came in response to um I don't I don't think I want to get married. It's not really for me. Okay. But I like the idea of people being kind of I was interested in this idea of people being bridezillas. And I was like, well, I want to be a funeral zilla because that's a ritual that I don't have to share with a partner. That's like all about me. So I want it to be really spectacular. So I guess (laughs) there was that idea of helping people to have that conversation. And yeah. And then part six is called Journey with Absent Friends. And that is a little caravan of grief. So it's a little museum that we made for the inside of a domestic caravan that asks about where does the memory of the dead live is it in a sacred space like a gravestone or is it in aisle 25 of tesco's okay uh and that went on a bit of a pilgrimage so that was probably the most personal project in the series uh in that it went on a pilgrimage between sites of personal remembrance for me Mm -hmm. started off in leeds and then went down to um Dorset, where I scattered my mum's ashes totally illegally 17 Ooh. years ago and hadn't been back. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then <laughs> we went across to Hamburg, which is where my brother uh, Jonathan lived and died. And then we went up to Arran, which is where my dad grew up, and then back to Leeds. Um, so, yeah, that little caravan is still kind of touring. So it pops up in parks and town squares and, mm. and things like that. And then we're on to part seven. <sighs> Part seven, the, the, the finale. <laughs> the finale, yeah. all that lives. And yeah. um, we've just done the R&D. So we invited a group of uh, artists from Mexico City over to Leeds. And now we're plotting, plotting the how, end, yeah. the end of Grief series. We'll, we'll get to the Mexicans in a bit because we've got yeah. a bit of time this morning. Um, I'm interested in it's such an undertaking. And, and for as long as I've known about this project, it feels like you've known that arc that kind of, this is not necessarily the details of those parts, but this is what I want to do and it's going to take up this much time. And it's so rare because as an industry, we're often like scrabbling around going, I'll do whatever anybody wants me to do rather than this is what I want to do. Who would like to help me do it? And so it feels like that must have been really 
a kind of quite profound moment when you decided this is what I'm going to do and this is this is the hill I'm dying on this is this is it now <laughs> I'd be interested to hear you talk about that and what why why this massive journey what what's burning inside you to do this well I think I mean it just it came out of a real sense of frustration that we're not very good at talking about death mm. and going we don't always have to talk about death with our head cocked to one side and a kind of sympathetic yeah, like, oh, I'm sorry for your loss. Like, we can talk about death with humour and yeah. as well as sadness. And I try and create spaces where it's all allowed. But I suppose, yeah, there was definitely a sense that I'm I'm quite, um, I'm not very loud. I'm quite a quiet person, but I'm persistent. Mm. <laughs> so uh, the grief series kind of made sense. It was like, yeah, I'm just going to keep quietly doing this. Um, and in, in the manifesto, I talk about the grief series being a quiet rebellion. Yeah. So I think in a world where we spend a lot of time shouting, sometimes it's better to just like be a bit quiet and get on with it. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> no, I, 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 I literally on the way here, I, I heard that someone I worked with last year died and, and, uh, and it's, it's funny, isn't it? That, that, uh, the the immediate reactions you have to that are all, all feel quite um, prescribed. Like mm. you know how to behave, and you, and there's mm. a comfort in that. Yeah. Um, whereas it's much more terrifying to think, oh, I'm going to check in with myself now, and what? How do I want to respond to this? As opposed to how? Do, so I said, oh, we better send flowers to his wife, even though I know that they're separated. So that's an absolute. But it was a kind of it was yeah, a security, yeah, yeah. wasn't it? It was mm. kind of well, that's a waste of flowers. But it's interesting that you're kind of gently scraping away at that and kind of going can we have a can we have a healthier attitude towards talking about death yeah or a bro like a, just a broader conversation yeah where people can say the wrong thing and get yeah. it wrong and slowly take time to work out what they want and is that an inherently british or english what would you is that are you are you are you reacting to something that you feel is inherently Yorkshire or Leeds or is, is are there part of their communities doing better at talking about death than we are? I, th I think the UK is a little bit behind in the death conversation or it has been and now there's a big death positive movement and we've come a really long way but there's still really far to go. So I, I'd say that like I moved to Leeds because there was an openness and a warmth yep. that I didn't experience where I was growing up. And one of the things I love about Leeds is that people are open to having all kinds of different conversations, whether that's death or whether that's something else. Mm. So I think, yeah, I think there's there's definitely a sense for me that that Yorkshire's pretty good. It's been a pretty nice place to make grief series. Yeah. Um, but it feels important to get international elements too, it, yeah. to get different perspectives. Yeah. Death positive is an interesting thing. I've not come across that before. So yeah. that's around, just that, unpick that a bit. That's, that's a big movement um, from lots of, yeah, I guess, funeral directors yep. from, yeah, I mean, lo lots of different people really trying to do the same thing as me, open up the conversation about death. Often that's through talking about eco-burial or yeah. Uh, or different options that we have, funeral mm. planning particularly, because there's a big problem at the moment with uh, funeral poverty. Funerals yeah. are quite expensive. Yeah. I did have a realisation at one point that I couldn't afford to die. And I was yeah. like, right, well, we'll have to get yeah. DIY on it then. Yep. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, you're a theatre person. You'd like to think that all your friends would rally around, wouldn't you? They're kind of, it's going to be a good show. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So the death positive movement is is just a, a, a large group of people trying to change the conversation yeah. and open up the conversation. Great. Good. Yeah. And a lot of uh, a lot of the the elements of grief that you grief one two three and four that you were talking about uh, felt like your art your creativity is waiting for someone to come through the door and and complete it or to yeah. add the other part to it yeah that element of um, it's not even participation is it it's kind of co creation it's it's actually yeah. that you're waiting for someone to bring their story or their yeah, I like uh, to think that the work is co-authored with the public. That's it, co-authored. There we go. That's, that's why you're in charge. Sorry. That's a much better phrase. <laughs> so, and and that's that's interesting because that that again is another, uh, and well, not necessarily unusual, but not, but maybe not expected choice as a kind of young experimental theatre maker when you started, and now, you know, growing into being a industry leader. That that's those two things, a ten-year project and also co-authored is. Uh, is an unusual thing, or it's, it's, it's not the it's not the well trodden path. That's that's no, and but more not. exciting work, more interesting mm. artist, but mm. more risk, I would imagine, or yeah, less status. Well, there's something there, isn't there, about that? I think the work's certainly more hidden because there's an intimacy to it. Yes. So, if someone wants to come and spend two and a half hours talking to me, that's allowed. Yeah. And so it's not yeah. a sort of pack 150 people in they sit down i talk they leave everyone well hopefully everyone claps before they leave (laughs) but um it's it's not that transaction yeah it's much more fluid and it's much more up for grabs yes um but i do think that means it's it's kind of often more hidden because it's less mobile you know I, i try and create spaces that feel empathic and that invite people in and that ask people to participate on their own terms or have the conversation they want to have. Yeah. That's it. And that's interesting that that you don't know how the thing is going to, you don't know what the thing is going to mean until they walk into the room. No, no. And, and is that thrilling? Is that terrifying? Is that, cause I know some theater artists would be like, absolutely under no circumstances. I need to know what this is. It's, it's, it's harder to report back to your funders and all, you know, all sorts of things. How do you deal with that? What's that thinking? Well, I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of process that goes into creating those spaces. So it's not just mm. like I rock up and I go, okay, we're open. There's a lot of thought about how do you make a space that is inviting? How do you remove barriers to participation? Because a lot of the people that interact with the work or, or author the work are people that maybe don't engage with contemporary performance. Yeah. They wouldn't walk into an art gallery, but they see a they see an unfair in the park and they go, okay, yeah, that's for me. I can, mm. I can get involved in that. So, yeah, there's a careful process, I guess. And is that about the tone of the thing, or where that thing is cited? Is that you know what 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 are the different elements that make sure that the people walking through the door are the people who want to walk through the door, as opposed to the people who think that place is for them? Yeah. Um, well, it's bespoke to every project, but I think I try and create something that is really beautiful. Mm. So that people see it from a distance and go, wow, what on earth is that? What is, what's that tiny caravan doing? Uh, or what's that? What's an unfair? What even is an unfair? Yeah. So I create something beautiful, but then I also try and create something that feels familiar in some way. So 
you know, people have a sense that when they go to a, a fun fair, that they might throw things, that they might make a noise, yeah. that they might hit things. They, there's already a kind of spatial understanding of how a fun fair works. Mm. And so an unfair is just a little tweak to that. So there's there's enough familiarity to help them feel like they, they know how to navigate the space. But there's also space for things to be more engaged and more profound. Like I kind of thought with the unfair people would come in, stay five minutes and, you know, punch a punch bag, leave. But actually people were staying for two and a half hours. And, yeah. you know, we had, a, we had a lad who was like, I know I've used all my tokens, but I don't think I'm being very nice to my mum. And I think I'm quite angry and I would like to ring her and say, sorry, can I have a token to go back into that quiet space? And I was like, yep, here you go. Take a cup of tea. Take as long as you like. So. <laughs> it's joyful, those moments, yeah, aren't they? When you realise, yeah, really oh, it joyful. actually works. Yeah. I find we, we have a number of projects that basically involve us standing in high streets and genuinely hoping that what we're doing isn't ridiculous. <laughs> Even though, you know, and you've convinced everyone who's paid for it that it isn't ridiculous, but you haven't, yeah. I've never quite convinced myself until that yeah. moment when I go, oh, yeah. He wants to go back into that quiet place. I think this is working. Yeah. But you don't know, do you, until no. they until they arrive? Yeah. And you always have that, will they come to my party fear. Yes. And they always do. And it's always yeah. fun. <laughs> um, but actually as well, I think it for me, it's very much about the quality of conversation. You have to create a space where the quality of conversation can be had. Um, and that's about often creating quite private spaces. So the reason that we worked with a caravan is that it's a it's a private space and but that it yeah. can sort of sit in a public space. So you yeah. can have 60 people milling around and mm. one person can go into that caravan and have an incredibly personal experience. And when they come out, there's someone outside, me, often to talk to, um, someone they can ask for a hug from, someone they can process that with. So Yeah. That requires a great deal of your emotional uh, investment. That that must be difficult. Do you have a? Do you work with your team to make sure that you're taking care of yourself? You kind of there's only so much you can soak up before it starts to, you know, yeah, damage you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think um, I'm really lucky because I work with two great producers called Anna and Jess, and um, I think they're very very patient. Sometimes when I've been in hyper listening mode or hyper responding mode, mm. I sort of go into this kind of weird standby mode where I don't really finish sentences yep. or um, I'm not very coherent. It's kind of, if I was a laptop, it's like the blue screen of death. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they just kind of are very, very patient and lovely and bring me coffee and go, yep. go for a lie down. So Yeah. And, it, and, and those people operate as a kind of in those moments a defensive mechanism or a kind of they're, they're there to nourish you and protect you until you're ready to go again yeah yeah I think so and there's there's a big there's a big team um it's not a permanent team but yeah. for each project different people come on board so yeah. it's never just me it's always yeah. it, I mean I think it, the grief series would struggle if it was just me yes um but actually you know, we have people that came to see the solo show Etiquette of Grief and have come to see every single thing Grief Series has done. Wow. Um, there's people that have collaborated in some way on every single project. There are participants and audience who, who've seen them all. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. So I think that's, it feels like as the series has gone on, there's a team grief. It's kind of how I playfully yeah. refer to it, which is made up of participants artists funeral directors fairground sign writers death doulas the, the whole yeah. lot um 
that are all kind of that have congregated around the series, wow. which is which is a great thing. Um, I'm, we're getting to Mexico. I promise we're getting to Mexico. Uh, but um, death doulas. Yes. Explain, because I know what a doula is, because I, yeah. I had a son a few years ago. Well, okay. I didn't, but I was there at the time. Um, <laughs> but death doula, what's, what's that? Because I think that would be a reasonably new yeah. idea for some people. Okay, so um, in the way that a birth doula helps prepare you for a birth, a death doula helps people have the best possible death they can. So um, I guess what a death doula does will be different for every person. So mm. for some people that's going, I've got a terminal diagnosis. Will you uh, sit with me and help me sort out all my old photographs? For some people it's like, okay, I need to make a will really quick yeah. <laughs> help. Yeah. And so it's, it's really, it's really varied, but it's someone to accompany you as you, as you lead up to that big transition, I guess. And is that a new thing or an ancient thing that we've only just started to realise? Both. That both, yeah. So, like all the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it went away for a little while. I mean, yeah. I guess it just used to be someone in your community that was really yeah. good at helping people die, yeah. you know, Mavis down the road kind of thing. And yeah. now we have the NHS, so it's more about that person being with you for that whole journey rather than just the end bit. Because mm. when, when people are dying, they spend 99.9% of that time not dying, <laughs> not being in hospital, mm. what, sitting at home watching telly or yeah. eating with friends. or yeah. So it's someone to, to help you with that bit. And is it, um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so it's like a genuine question. The answer to this might just be, no, Alan. But is that, <laughs> is that because of the family, the family unit is different now? Is that because people are living different lives or, is it, or has this always been a, a need? I think there's always been a need for it. Yeah. Um, I think that the NHS is, because it's kind of regulated everything, which is a really yeah. fantastic thing. Yeah. It's about just kind of rebalancing it and making it a little bit more personal and also we're just all living a lot longer. So, yeah. so death is actually more unexpected because we just keep going and we keep, when we go into hospital, we get fixed and we come back out. So. It's fascinating. Brilliant. So Mexico. Mexico. So you've been Mexico. <laughs> it's literally it's been on my screen, Mexico in capital letters. Um, so you've been working with, you, you went over to Mexico City? Yep. And you've been working, you've collaborating with some artists yeah so it's been a it's been a slow but like everything grief series does it's yep. slow burn but um it felt really important to me if we're looking at day of the dead culture that it's not just like a an english ram raid yeah of somebody else's ritual so yep. over the last two years we've been doing about two visits a year so we've been doing one visit to mexico and we've been inviting artists from mexico to visit us in leeds and that's built up um from when we started in 2017 uh to the visit that we've just had uh, last month from uh, six artists from Zion Studio in the Farad Oriente in Mexico City, um, which is just, it is, and they are just wonderful. Yeah, explain, because I, I I find them, when you tell me about them, I find them incredibly inspiring and sort of, when I grow up, I want to be like that. So yeah. just uh, unpack that <laughs> a bit for people who are listening. Yeah, so... Um, uh, Zion Studio, who are the artists I've been working with, are one collective that work in this incredibly, it's huge building uh, on the outskirts of Mexico City called the Faro de Oriente. And the Faro means the lighthouse or the beacon. So it is a beacon for that community. Um, and they can come along and they can learn free 
arts and skills. They can learn free skills. So it reminds me in a lot of ways of your community college and what you're doing at the Holbeck. Uh, people can come along for free and they can learn web design. They can learn paper craft. They can learn how to build a musical instrument. They yeah. can learn all sorts of things. So Zion Studio within that um, specialise in kind of traditional paper craft. Um, and it's a, it's a traditional Mexican craft that uses recycled materials. Um, and they make everything from tiny sculptures that fit in the palm of your hand to huge 30-foot-high Aztec gods that take yeah. over the town square. Yeah, that's, that's the good stuff. Yeah, like it's... It's beautiful and it's something that everyone everyone can do. The materials are really accessible. The processes are really accessible. And it's just a very, if you go to the Faro, it's a very joyful place. So there's some politics in there. There's some, there's, there's some kind of cultural democracy. There's some kind of sharing of the, the common intellectual wealth, if, if not the actual wealth. There's kind of... Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like like all good things, it started with artists. Yeah. It started with a group of artists that set up the Faro de Oriente and then the um, the council in Mexico City went, this is amazing. Mm. This thing is amazing. And then they put four more pharaohs around the city. So now there's a whole circle of lighthouses for wow. different communities, which is a brilliant thing. Yeah. Um, I think that the pharaoh holds a special place in my heart because it's the, it's the first one and it's yep. sort of very much in contact with its kind of activist roots. Brilliant. And so you, you've you gone there and, and this Day of the Dead is yeah. something that I think, what's that about? What's that? Because there's an aesthetic that we understand. We can kind of vaguely know there's a kind of really horrible kind of Hindu thing. But yeah. what is what is it when it's not being rubbish? What, what is when it's not being appropriated? <laughs> what's at the heart there? I think what's at the heart of it is it's really personal it's really personal. So the only thing that I ritual I can kind of instantly liken it to in the UK is Christmas in that it's about care and it's about spending time with the people that you love, even if some of those people are dead. So it's about going, okay, Day of the Dead's coming up. We're going to make an ofrenda shrine in our, in our living room mm -hmm. or in the garage or somewhere in our mm -hmm. home. And we're going to fill that with photographs of, our, of people we've lost. Mm -hmm. um, or people we admire. So it could be a picture of David Bowie and a picture of Yanan right next to each other. Yeah. And, and that's allowed. That's fine. Um, and we're all going to gather together and we're going to have a drink and we're going to make some food. We're going to make the people that we love favorite food. So for example, like when I'm, when I die, I'm really hoping that yeah. team grief will put like a bottle of Prosecco and a mm -hmm. ridiculous dress on the offender. Yeah. Um, and nice. you gather around and you share stories. So it's a really, it's a celebration and it's, and it feels very personal and so much more than just a beautiful aesthetic, although yeah. it, although it is that too. It feels like, I mean, we don't, we don't tend to do that in this country. And one of the things is because it doesn't feel very efficient. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, well, there's no profit in that, is there? There's kind of, you know, I, I sort of understand why you would nourish the relationships you have, like at Christmas. Let's all, mm. you bring your close ones around and you have a nice time because you're in the middle of winter. You kind of need to get to spring. And, you know, if you give your family presents and they like you more, there's a kind mm. of transactional element to it. Mm. And the glory of, of, of what you've just described feels like, well, no, we're doing it just because it's a, it's a nourishing thing to do. Mm. There is no profit in this. There's no, we're not tomorrow, we're not going to be any more efficient. There's yeah. kind of, it's not part of a, of a, um, yeah, efficiency drive. <laughs> 
No, it no. just feels like a really lovely thing to do. It's a, it is a lovely thing to do, and it's also it's a really living tradition. So it's not set yeah. in stone; like it's always changing and evolving. And which, you know, I've been very mindful of talking of thinking about cultural appropriation. But the artists that I'm working with from Mexico aren't really because they're like, yeah, it's it's living; it can change. They're yeah. like, it's fine. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it's going to be different, and maybe you know, something happens and we'll respond. And what what's struck me about working with Mexican artists is how quickly they respond. We work at very different paces. They're like, okay, um, this has happened. We'll, we'll react. Like when, when we went in 2017, there had just been a huge earthquake in Mexico City. And so the artists went, okay, we're going to make a sculpture out of all the hard hats because um, there's loads of volunteers got involved with the rescue operation. So we want to do something for that. Yeah. And in a matter of weeks, they'd created this huge sculpture out of hard hats to represent all of the community volunteers. So things yeah. move very, very quickly with them. Yeah. It's great. And so they're coming, they've been? They've been. They've been. This was, was our R&D. R&D. Yeah. This was our test to see how the language barrier worked when uh, when artists from Mexico City work with people from Yorkshire. How does that, how does that work? You'll be relieved to know it does work. Yeah, Phew. Good. Uh, it's good. It's a 10-year plan out the window. <laughs> Guys, yeah, I yeah. hate to break it. It's yeah. not going to... Grief 7 is not happening. Yeah. No. No. Infinity War is not going to be infinite. Yeah. No, it, that that was that was great. It was worked really well. And um, the other thing we wanted to test is how their materials respond to a Yorkshire climate. Because yes. Mexico is quite a lot warmer and yeah. things dry a lot quicker. Yeah. But how, how was that? How was the drizzle? I mean, it rained constantly for the entire two weeks they were here, but, you know, that's authentic, so. <laughs> authentic Yorkshire experience. Yeah, yeah. Great. One of them messaged me going, I miss the cold when you got back. <laughs> I was like, you're so polite. So, um, so the R&D was good? The R&D was good, and what we found was that there was a real appetite for people to talk about death and to embrace uh, Day of the Dead and reimagine our UK grieving rituals. Yeah. People were like, oh, I want to build an ofrenda. Yeah. In my house, or I want. Yeah, That's this a is shrine great. to the person or the people. The who, people that yeah. you've that you've lost. People are like, yeah. oh yeah, I want to do this. I want to invite friends around, and we can mm. we can discuss grandma, or yeah, or I'm going to get all my brother's mates around, and we'll listen to death metal. It'd be great. Yeah. So there's an appetite there, which is great, and um that's wonderful for us because it's the first step in what will be a large scale Day of the Dead celebration and wake to the grief series. Amazing. I mean, and then that's it. Then that's it. So this, that's is it. it. Yeah, you're doing I'll your own. I'll go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Have a rest. <laughs> do you know, do you know do you know in your head what you want to do next? Because it feels like this is really planned out for for where you started from ten years ago and yeah. kind of experimental artist in Yorkshire. Very few people have the confidence and vision and certainty to to declare this. I remember you, you've been saying it for a long time and you kind of yeah. go, wow, yeah. I mean, we've never managed a trilogy. We occasionally say we're going to do them and then we get to like number two and we're like, yeah, fine, I'll just move on, move on. <laughs> um, so do you know, are you planning? Do you yeah. know what's after? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it starts with the sleep. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's some <laughs> but, time off. But yeah, that like, yeah, there are, there are plans. There are yeah. plans. And, and do you leave death behind? 
Well, I mean, do any of us ever no, leave death behind? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, no, we don't. I think that's, I mean, <laughs> you're going over the sticks. It's, yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think there's definitely still a sense that I've got all that embodied knowledge and, yeah, and increasingly course. over the grief series, I've been doing a lot of mentoring and people have been asking me about it. So I, I imagine I don't want to delete the grief series after it's done no. and be like, that's finished, but. I, w- I will be not making new work about death, I suspect. Because yeah. as, a, as a body of work, for, for it to be a, 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 solo, a solo female performer, a female artist, sorry, is, is, is rare. I mean, that's going to be quite the... When it's done, the, the website is going to be important to, to you know, for, for the, all of us who work in, in however broad a term, alternative theatre, to understand that there was a person who did this during these 10 years is... That's that's going to be important. Yeah, I think we're thinking carefully about how to archive it. Yeah. Um, because I think it, there's a lot of things uh, that are present in the work that need to be made visible because there's often an intimacy. How do you document that? Yeah. Um, it's work that's often has has often included a predominantly female team. Mm. It's work that's being made up north. Mm. There's there's lots of things there that um, I feel could do with being made more visible. So we're, we're thinking about how to do that and how to um, give that documentation the values that the work had while it's, has while it's being made. It's one of the things we think a lot about is that the, the work on the, the space the work takes up in the world can't be that, um, for want of a better term, and I don't think this is right, but aggressive because hmm. it, it, it's doing other things. And yet it's... Uh, it's afterlife. It's position in the in the in the catalog can actually afford to be a bit more. We we often read about people say, "Oh, the theatre industry or the arts industry isn't doing X, Y, and Z." And oftentimes, those things, as you say, kind of female led, all female teams um, up north work is being done. But what people mean is they're not being made in in one of these five five theatres or one of these ten th- places mm. that we actually think of as important, culturally important. And so that actually more and more, I think, there's a move, especially those of us up in the north. And especially from people who don't represent straight white men, is to be even more aggressive in that curation post the show. That the the that the events will have a the thing you've talked about a carefulness, but post the actual no no no, no pay attention to this now. It can mm. afford to be a it can afford to take a bit more room. Mm. Um, that could be really exciting because I think the changes of, of uh, the changes in the industry that we see up here are not necessarily reflected wider. Mm. And they're ignored by the yeah. people who hold that cultural uh, weight. The people who decide what what is happening in culture at the minute are mm. not necessarily paying attention to Ellie Harrison and Leeds when mm. actually it is happening. Do you mm. think, is that important to you at all when you're in a caravan in Dorset? Is that something that you think about or, is it, or do you just not care? Are you making the thing? I think I I notice it, but ultimately it's it's important to do the thing. Yeah. So, and I think that, you know, none of the grief series would have happened if I hadn't just got on and done the thing yeah. <laughs> and, and spoke to the people that were in front of me and, instead of spending time trying to court people that maybe don't want to listen that much. I don't know. I, I, I work with what I have Yeah. <laughs> or I work with what's, what's close and I work where there's, where there's hunger and appetite to talk as well. And, and that element of co, you described earlier as co-author. Is that the thing that you take on when grief, when when grief and death, you kind of go, "That's fine. That's part of that. That was my decade. Mm. I leave mm. it here, and then you move on." 
is that the is the co-authorship and the and the ability to listen is that is that the thing you drive on is that is that going to be your iconic uh yeah the iconic trait of your work o- over more than 10 years yeah i think there's definitely things that um are important to my practice so care co-authorship uh making beautiful spaces that engage all of people's five senses which mm. means that you know someone who's two can engage with the work and someone who's 92 can engage with the work yeah so you know and and it also means it's accessible to a a range of people so we had someone that um that was deaf come to see what is left and they said oh i I could hear bits of the audio, but there were these little booklets of transcribed text. So I had access to the work in a way that I wouldn't usually be able to. Mm. So I think, yeah, care, co-authorship and creating beautiful multisensory spaces are the things that will live on, even if I'm not making work about grief. How close do you think we are as a society to having a really healthy attitude to death? It's you saying this, it's a growing, it's yeah. a growing movement. Is it, do you think you're like, we're getting there, we're, we're getting, getting there. there. And I definitely feel like it, it seems like the right time to be thinking about what the end of grief series looks like. Yeah. Because when I started, it was just, you know, me making work about death. And now there's, I'm invited all the time to see shows about death, yep. to hear podcasts about death, you know, it's, which is a great and wonderful thing. So it feels like the right time to go, okay. There's enough of us now talking yeah. about this stuff for for me to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> Have a break. I'm going to set this down with the Mexicans. And um, do you think about your death in the, in the midst of all this listening? Do you do you have time to think about yours? You... Yeah, of course, of course. It's planned. Is it? It's planned. Yeah. yeah. My my partner doesn't. Uh, he's he's not really a natural um, event planner. Okay. So just to take the pressure off him. <laughs> There's, there's an event manual yeah there's well that's what the crossing's for there's a little booklet in the crossing that people can write down what they what want, want or anything they don't want so he doesn't want to have that conversation no which is fine okay um, is it my wife won't talk to me about it at all i've had i've had to talk to two friends because she just won't she she won't she will not she, go she there won't, she, won't she will go, not then, engage with that so i've left instructions with that all the also people. has to be allowed so yeah, yeah so i've got that that crossing booklet and i'm like okay we don't have to have that conversation if you're not ready for it but it's on the desk just in this drawer like it's fine just take care of that yeah so okay amazing is it going to be a good do (laughs) oh it's going to be great it's going to be really great (laughs) i was really sad when your your yellow slung low van finally died because i was hoping that that would outlive me and that that could take me to my funeral all all things die in the end don't they when that slung low van died because it fell two mot's back to back (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's, that's, I think, how I'm going to go. I'm going to fail two MOTs back to back. Um, I'm aware that we're coming to the uh, to yeah. the end of our time, but yeah. uh, is there anything that I don't know yet? We we started this in saying that I have a, a wonderful um, stupidity. What do I that's need to great. know about the grief series that I that you haven't told me? Well, I suppose that we're at the point of making plans for the final part. Yeah. So. Um, if there was a time to get involved with grief yeah. series, it's now. And how do I do that then? That's brilliant. Actually, you always end on a call to action. So, yeah. uh, so how, <laughs> how do how do people get involved? What's what's next in the immediate few weeks and, and months? So, I think we wanted to learn from the R and D rather than have a pre-existing idea of what we would achieve. So now we've done that learning. 
it's all up for grabs. So if there are things you desperately want to see in this Day of the Dead celebration, let us know. Go onto the website, email us. Um, and the website is grief- griefseries.co.uk. Um, Accost me in the street. I'm pretty easy to spot. <laughs> Massive 50s dress, <laughs> glasses, long hair. Look a little bit like an Afghan hound, but I see that as a okay. really good thing. So that's yeah. a great thing. Afghan <laughs> hounds are like top five dogs of all time. Yeah, exactly. Um, in, um, in 1950s dress. Yeah, yeah exactly. Afghan hound in a dress. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And um, and because this Day of the Dead celebration is going to be a big event, it's going to be a thing that exists in the physical world? Yeah, so I think uh, at the moment we're thinking it's going to take place over a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, so there's going to be big events to start it and finish it, and then there's going to be talks, workshops, all sorts of things um, for all ages, really family-friendly. Um so yeah, now's the chance for people to and get involved be, and tell us what they want. Yeah, it's going to be co-authored. It's going to be owned by as many people as want to get involved in it. Yeah, absolutely. And will it be, will it travel? It'll be up here or? It'll be up here. Yeah, Great. definitely. Brilliant. I I can't think, there isn't another artist in this country like you making the work with such clarity. Uh, and it's been brilliant to talk to you about it this oh, morning. Oh, thanks. And uh, thank you for asking me. And I think that's us done. Great.